surrendering is not giving up. Surrendering is giving yourself this um, time to reflect upon you mm -hmm. and the ability to open up to greater things in your life. This is Nordin Zorek and welcome to Chapters of My Life podcast. So what is Chapters of My Life podcast? First of all, I want you to imagine your past life. Right, where should I start? I'm Daniel Ludwig, trainer and leadership coach by profession. And I'm always fascinated to look back in life and turn your life stories in form of a book for other generations to learn from, but also for yourself as self-reflection and to gain new life energy. It's a challenge itself, and frankly, not everyone has thought of this. As we always think, when we get older, we should write our own life book. But in fact, we have so many experiences ready to share with others, achievements, failures to learn from, positive and negative life transitions, which in the end lead to the person we are today. This Chapters of My Life podcast is an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audio book format, capturing the willpower and belief of people during important life-changing decisions. Today I'm very excited to introduce you to a special podcast guest, Nordin Zorek. He is former Mr. Universe, best-selling author, international speaker and coach, but first and foremost, someone keeps fighting and never gives up. Nordin is a French-American fitness personality, high-performance coach, best-selling author and an international speaker who has won the titles such as Mr. France, Europe, Mr. World, Mr. Universe. He has helped over 10,000 clients around the world to dig deeper to find their inner fitness. And inner fitness is also his recently released book. In our podcast conversation, we actually created his autobiography called Three Countries Later, which covers nine life chapters. As we slowly start the past COVID times, it's time to reflect and remind ourselves what self-worth, mental strength and inner belief are all about. In his nine life chapters, we cover life setbacks in his childhood, his moments being homeless and the steps and inner beliefs that brought him back on track to build self-worth. Three countries later described his journey from being born in Algeria towards childhood and teenage age in France and later his career in the US. We also briefly discussed his book Inner Fitness, which was published this year 2021 to address mental health stigma and offer readers different tools to cope and overcome fear and anxiety. So enough said, it's time to dig deeper into the discussion. Just a heads up, as we never cut any audio part in our long conversation, you will notice a tech mic problem that we kind of fixed in real time. That's life. We, we, <laughs> we were fixing problems in real life to find a solution in the present moment. Here we go. Enjoy episode 37 with Nordin Zorek. Just never forget, never give up, always look up. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for your time, Nordin, today. Uh, calling from Arizona, from far away, yes. from my side, from Munich. Yes, I'd say. <laughs> Thank you for having me. 
thank you so much. It's actually very early in the morning on your side uh, when you mentioned that yesterday to me. I was like, whoa, that's quite early. And you know, the discussion I'm will be just... I'm still asleep. You're still asleep, <laughs> yes. I just want that's the reason I'm why still we asleep. had to... can't you hear it? <laughs> I'm doing this asleep. <laughs> that's the reason why I, you know we had the conversation before just to check if you're awake or not. <laughs> but you, you look very awake. Yeah, yeah. So it took I, me a while. You know, after two cups of uh, green tea, I'll be awake. <laughs> you mentioned something very interesting, which I just noted down before, you know, uh, when we had the discussion a couple of minutes ago, you said, you know, when you woke up, uh, you see mountains in front of you. And you said that humans yeah. are nothing compared to nature. What were your thoughts today in the morning when you woke up and you saw the mountains? So when, uh, as, at least for me, you know, when I wake up, uh, I might, it's, it's interesting, my, uh, my body wants to stay asleep in my ego, my mind, it's, you know, you know, jump out and start the day. And uh, the mountains, I live right facing the mountains and uh, in my bedroom and in, 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 in everywhere I can see the mountains and they remind me and they put me back in that peace of, of, of being, you know, and um, it reminds me that uh, we're nothing, you know, you know, we're a speck on this earth, earth, and those mountains, they just put me in place and put that ego back in check, you know, put that fear back in check, push it away. And um, I'm very, I'm very grateful for that. that. And that allows me to get into meditation because that's, because that's, one of my ritual is meditation in the morning. And uh, so uh, it's easier for me to get in it. Yes. Uh, Love it. I see those mountains. Love it. I just quickly, just to check on your side quickly regarding the mic. I think there's always some interruption on your yeah. side with the mic. I'm just going to okay. check quickly. Hold on. So it's always uh, um, disconnect and connect again. Okay. Just for a second or something. Just want to make sure. Okay. It's maybe a perfect example. You know, often we we okay. it's a perfect okay. example regarding disconnection. Um, how can we be connected? <laughs> and we also depend on technology in the end of the day. Finish. It was just when you spoke, and uh, there was like always in yeah, oh, no. second. Let's try it. No, it works. Try can to you speak again. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, it was can like you? when you spoke, it was always like in between. The voice was a little bit far How away. How about now? No, it's fine. Is yes. it working now? Yes, yes. Perfect. Yes. So that's a, that's a test. How you 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 get to this technology malfunction and. You jump right back into your fear, you know, uh, zone, your ego zone. Oh my God, why is this not working? Exactly. You know, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, these are the kinds of things that uh, um, just uh, take you away from your, you know, inner peace. And this is a. These are the, the things. Example. Yeah. Exactly. You know, one of the, the one. Yeah, like yesterday, Facebook and what what uh, WhatsApp, 
Instagram shut down and I got calls and texts from people asking me, do you get, well, I'm sorry, I'm not on Facebook all day. I'm not on Instagram all day. You have a problem, man. <laughs> You're addicted. <laughs> it was a great um, wake-up call for everyone yesterday, how addicted we are, again, to social media. And if something is working regarding technology, we are already disconnecting to people, maybe people we love, people we need to work with, etc. Daniel, they were, they were, they already are recording now uh, so many cases of withdrawals. People had withdrawals like a drug, mm -hmm. and it, 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 it's it, it's mind-boggling to to see where we're going with this. And this is why the importance of understanding that we are beings that. Our nat nature or natural space is love, not ego. That's an illusory place where we uh, tend to be. And if we are not aware that we spend a lot of time in that fear and ego mode, uh, I call that a fear, uh, a mind state of fear, mm -hmm. okay, or fear state of mind. Uh, and that's illusory. Mm. Oh, our, our, real, um, our real nature is the love state of being. That's who we are. Mm. In the intro, I mentioned um, a little bit about you, obviously about the book, which we will talk later as well, uh, Inner Fitness as well. And but before we jump into this and what you're also saying, you know, being sloth, um, yeah. not the ego, all this is very important for me to explore and to explore in a way to better understand where are you coming from? You know, what is your yeah. personal story? Um, and, you know, because of, the, of that podcast format to really mm -hmm. understand what could be your autobi autobiography book look like so you know usually what i'm very interested in before i jump into like you know what could be the chapter one two three etc um i'm curious to know is do you have a favorite bookshop around your corner do i have a what a favorite bookshop uh or uh, yes yeah, i do i do actually it's interesting you saying that daniel Uh, all of my books, uh, I've written several books, two are um, published by major publishing companies. Those I wrote in uh, between libraries and uh, bookshops, bookstores. Mm, okay. Uh, so the, the answer to your question is Barnes and Noble. We have, a, you know, unfortunately, the most Barnes and Noble uh, closed down, but they kept one open here, a beautiful one two-story and I like to go in there get the, my green tea sit down and be inspired it's you know I believe that because there are books around you you get that inspiration you know mm. it's not even motivation because yes. motivation comes from from an outside element I call inspiration in spirit um you get that flow of idea because just by sitting down and you start writing it's crazy but that's the that's where i go barnes and noble and that's where i write most of my stuff 
love it. When you say green tea, when yes. where do you go usually? I mean, to that place. Uh, where are you going in that place? Which uh, section are you going usually? So uh, I book section. So here's my here's my ritual. <laughs> okay, I go Tell there, a park. I get in through the store. I go straight to the coffee shop and I get my green tea. And at the first or, or uh, second uh, floor, there's, there are little couches that are facing, again, mountains. Uh -huh. And that's where I sit. And around me, there are books from all kinds of authors, all kinds of topics. Mm -hmm. and, and to the left uh, of me, there is the spiritual topics. Mm -hmm. And I always, this is my belief system, I always think I'm being, you know, um, um, sent there because there's something there that I need to be getting, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, to tell you, Daniel, my first book, Mind Over Body, I had to be kicked out of there every day uh, because I was staying longer. And yes, I had a job. I was, I was a, a director at... Uh, Uh, one of the top resorts in the world called Miraval. And uh, I would do that most weekends, of course. And uh, once I was done with my work, I would just go there. And, but yes, that's where I go. So I the noise you hear here is, is my little French bulldog. He likes to run around. Yes. I mean, I saw, uh, I saw him actually, you know, just before the podcast started um actually when you're going on the website as well you can see in right now <laughs> <as well. laughs> yeah. um so i'm very curious actually when i you know let's say i i will be in 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 that book sh sh store uh, yeah. where you're going usually with a green mm -hmm. tea and i'm asking for your autobiography in what book section would i need to go I think you'll find my autobiography in um, uh, in spirituality mm -hmm. because okay. uh, my life has a great deal with to do with um, the the vo the fight between the voices inside of me and the the voice that came, you know, from this greater me, this higher power. Uh, you can call it God. Some people call it the universe. Some people call it uh, whatever you may call it. It's always that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a battle between that and the voices inside of you. So mm -hmm. uh, you, would, you would find it in, uh, in, um, in um, spirituality, definitely. You know? Definitely. Yes. Definitely. And my travels around the world are all based uh, on, um, on spirituality. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in front of that section, uh, let's say I'm in front of the spiritual section and I, I pick your book, what do I see on the front cover on your book? Three countries later. Three countries later? Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? It means that I uh, journey to out this 
world, both the inner world and this outside world, um, geography-wise, I was born in the Sahara, Algerian Sahara Desert. That was my first journey, so to speak, my birth. And my parents moved to France to seek medical attention for me. That's the second country. And then I immigrated again to the U US. So mm -hmm. that's the third country. And in each country, there's tremendous amount of uh, both victories, heartaches, uh, turbulence, um, trials, tribulation, pain, suffering, love mm -hmm. in each of those countries. That's why three countries later would be what my autobiography would be about. That's lovely to know because that sounds like a nice um, journey. As you said, yeah. it's a journey. You literally bring the, the, the audience to the present moment. Exactly. The past to the present moment and free. Each country, each journey, each country has a learning experience. I love that. And what would I see on the cover? So I would see a three countries later. You, you'd see a yeah. desert uh -huh. and a, an army truck riding through the desert. You need to explain me that. What does it mean? An so army you truck need through the desert. Background. Yeah would be the 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 desert the, the the you know the sand and you would see a french army truck because i was born in a french army truck my mom was 15 years old and my dad was 29 years old in the truck were my grandpa my grandma father mother and they were taken to vote for the um, independence, independence of Algeria. Mm -hmm. So they, my parents are uh, North African Berbers. Mm -hmm. They're nomads. And uh, they didn't drive. They didn't have driving license. They didn't even go to school. So the French, uh, which were still there, as you know, the French occupied Algeria for years. Uh, and 1962 is when, uh, to be precise, July 1st, 1962 is when I decided to come to this earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I knocked on the door early, three months premature. Three months so premature. naturally, wow. they, mm -hmm. they started the birth in the truck because the driver did not want to stop. And then they realized it was a birth. You know, they needed to stop and uh, they finished the, uh, my mom finished giving birth under an acacia tree. So you can put the acacia tree in the cover if you want to. <laughs> so you'd see the desert, French uh, army truck and a, and a acacia tree. That sounds like a, itself as another book, literally. That, that, yeah. Uh, that picture actually you know it tells so much about true love as well true love um passion but at the same time you know something 
not ordinary. You know, something, no, something absolutely. Yeah. The you could uh, there is uh, all kinds of emotion right there when you see the mm. picture, depending who, of who you are. But to me, it uh, it would mean um, the escape, uh, then the the journey to uh, to, to you know my my arrival in this world, okay, and. Uh, the, the fear, the tremendous fear that my, my parents, my folks had uh, and um, being occupied by, you know, um, by the French, the soldier driving the car or the truck. Mm. Um, so you can only imagine what was going on. I know for a fact that uh, my, uh, my father collapsed uh, when the, when they started the, the the birth in the truck, he yeah. couldn't take it, and my grandpa is the one who cut the the cord with a little knife, and then wow, um, um, so they stopped and then they had to bury the um, placenta. Mm -hmm. So part of me is still there, so to speak. So you never left that country. I never you? left. Uh, you, you left one <laughs> part of yeah. you there. Yes, part of me is there. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Um, seeing this on the book now on the front page, you know, and, and you know, when I'm seeing this right now, I'm, I feel like I'm very curious, you know, what, what is this about, you know, the military tr truck, the, the desert. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm opening now the book, and I'm seeing the... As you know, with writing so many books, there's usually a thank you page in the beginning, mm -hmm. a kind word page. What would I read in your autobiography in this thank you section? I think, you know, uh, I would uh, thank the world for teaching me so much. Mm -hmm. And I would thank both my parents for being the um, the transport, you know, the, the vehicle for me to come to this planet, you know. And I would thank all the mean people that taught me so much. Interesting that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, and I would yeah. uh, and and I would acknowledge also the people that gave me so much uh, via their love. But, you know, Daniel, I have learned more stuff from people who challenged me than mm. people who were just agreeing and appreciating and loving. Yes, I got so much love from them, but the learning process came from those who challenged me. Mm. And you say challenged me. Um, what is your definition of challenge? The bullies who bullied me every day. To, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I had a, uh, a a very turbulent childhood, mm -hmm. uh, and that was a result of my low self-esteem. And I hope we can talk about self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
I was uh, a very shy kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born, first of all, you know, as I mentioned, premature. And uh, I grew up very, very, very skinny and ill. You know, and uh, I would project that fear onto others. And generally that fear always meant that they could pick on me. Mm-hmm. They could. It was like walking around with a board that said, beat me up <laughs> because of the energy that I was projecting. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, there was a lot of candidates uh, that oh. uh, appreciated that and uh, took uh, advantage of me and my fear and my emotions and my anxieties. And um, there were times where I was left in the, uh, uh, in the school bathroom, uh, pushed in, 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 in there and they just closed the door and threatened me and uh, and I would be found by the janitor hours wow. later because I was terrified. I didn't want to go anywhere. Wow. Sometimes it was the, uh, the teachers themselves were racist teachers who didn't like North Africans, didn't like blacks, didn't like... At that time, Daniel, France was a, one of the most uh, uh, racist country in the world. And I remember that uh, we were, before class, we were sprayed. We were taken away, the North Africans, the Blacks, even some Italians, Portuguese, and they would spray us a lice product and of course, strip us and hose us water and then give us a towel to dry ourselves. and then um, go back to school, to, to class. So we'd miss 20, 30 minutes every day. So these are the things that I'm talking about. These are the people I'm talking about. Mm. These are the teachers I'm talking about. These are the people that taught me. It feels like there is no supporting system around. It was when you say the teachers also, you know, were um, not necessarily supportive as well. I felt like you had no support, you had no Oh, you know, more than that, some of the teachers were violent, physically violent, Mm. emotionally, physically violent. Mm. So those Um, are the people that taught me. So Nordin, when you mentioned about childhood, um, because I'm not thinking about the very first chapter in your book. Is the very first chapter also about your childhood? Yes, I think my, my, uh, yeah, I think it's the the birth uh, is the first chapter because the birth was um, both beautiful and painful. Okay, both beautiful. The scenery was beautiful. Yeah, but uh, I wasn't born in a hospital and I was born, uh, you know, under very, very critical in a critical environment, uh, you can only imagine. Even that, with technology now, a um, premature baby, a, you know, three mm. months premature baby, it, it's they have very slight chances to make it. And I was, I weighed, you know, barely one kilo, which is two point two pounds. Um, and my mom was very, very uh, young, fifteen years old. So all that, uh, all that environment made it 
very difficult and dangerous. Mm. Uh, what's the beauty of it? The beauty was uh, I was born in the Alps, in, in the desert, you know, nature. Yes. So that's the beauty of it. When, when, when I read that first chapter in your book about the birth as well, um, obviously, you know, you, you're inviting the audience as well with the front cover as well, so yeah. people see already, you know, the, sin yeah. the scenery around. Um, what lessons would you share in that first chapter when we so, talk about birth? I think that uh, the lesson uh, that is to be shared is the, the love of parents that really want to do anything for their child to make it to survive. You know, they could have very easily, you know, given up on me. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom did at a, a certain point, um, the tribe ladies, uh, because I was very ill, very skinny, very, you know, little sick baby. I was a sick little baby. And they, uh, they advised my mom to, uh, just uh, go and leave me on a tombstone and uh, disappear. So the, the thinking behind it was, you know, give it back to nature. You walk away, if it doesn't cry, that means that nature would take care of it, just leave. But if it does cry, you have to take him back. And obviously I cried. You cried. <laughs> yeah, crying yeah. has been mm. one of the, my um, go-to um, therapy, even now. What is crying for you when you say this? Your go relief. Relief. Okay. Relief. Relief. Let go of the pain. Let go of the pain. It's sort of a meditation to me. Mm -hmm. You know. Strong men cry. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You, you know, know, usually in this society, in the community, um, society as a whole, we usually see, you know, strengths as strengths as strong. And if you cry, you show weakness, you show, show vulnerability. Um, I mean, in your book, also, you mentioned, we're going to talk about this later, briefly, you know, when Rainy Brown, for example, when she said, you know, vulnerability is actually a strength. The yeah, vulnerable. Crying, vul yeah, it's a strength. Crying is a strength. It, it, it is. It shows that you're authentic. It is. Vulnerability is, is, is something that comes from our spiritual side. Mm -hmm. It's not an ego thing. Exactly. You know, and uh, when you try to stop yourself from crying, that's all ego. I'm a man, I shouldn't be crying, blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, I lift 500 pounds, so why should I be crying? Stuff like that, you know, and that is ego. That's fear. That's, uh, that's not strength. It's weakness. See mm -hmm. how, how they're completely, you know, the, the, the society, you know, belief system have you uh, think that, the, it's the opposite. When you cry, you're weak. Yes. When you don't, you're strong. But isn't that's that, the, yes, it's isn't total that, opposite. The, the society project that also, that picture on you. I mean, from, from yeah, your because society is uh, ego driven. Exactly. It's fear driven. Uh -huh. That's why. You yes. Know, the, conscious, the consciousness level of this world is so low. It comes from a fear base. So that's, that's the rhetoric that you're going to get from the conversations, whether it's politics, whether it's, uh, you know, you always will see 
that fear. You know, I don't see any strength in somebody who is threatening someone else. I don't see any strength in somebody who is uh, who's been mean to someone else. I don't see any strength in in a country that goes to war against somebody else. Uh, I don't see any strength in any of the society-driven uh, belief system. Mm. And I'm not against society. I'm part of society. Of course, yes, I contribute yes, 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 to society. But I think I, I, I like to think of myself of, as one of those who uh, who is pushing for the global consciousness to rise. Mm. When we talking about strength, and we soon talking about later also about you know um, about your book um, self worth as well. I'm curious now when you say strength, um, what is for you the definition of strength? Well, you know, I think the the strength, as we listen, I am uh, I'm a person that competed as a bodybuilder. I lifted mm. 700 pound squats, 550 pound bench press. So if you ask me physical strength, I will say that, yeah, that's what strength is. Yes. But real strength, you know, uh, emotional strength, spiritual strength is the ability to live at the higher level of existence, mm -hmm. you know, It's pull yourself up when you find yourself down. Mm -hmm. When you have the ability to say, oh, I have breath, I have life, I can do anything I choose to. And you push yourself back up to a higher level of existence. That's how I call it. Some like to call it the higher level of consciousness. That's strength, Daniel. Mm -hmm. No. Uh, when able to get yourself out of that hole. Mm -hmm. That self-belief, that knowing that no matter what comes. Exactly. Your own Because own hand. Yes. if you have breath, mm -hmm. that's all you need. What makes you different, you know, than a president or uh, a Hollywood star? or whoever you think is superior. No one is superior, which is different. Okay, different life situation. But in terms of life itself, we are all the same. We breathe the same air. Very true, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, as well. you know, yeah. sometimes the one who is at a higher level consciousness, who has nothing, is happier than someone who has everything and is at the lower level of existence. Mm -hmm. Who is driven yes. by fear. Uh -huh. um, when we talk about now, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about when we trust right now talking about, you know, fear, strength as well. I was, I'm really curious actually to know what you experience in your childhood. You, you mentioned it a little bit about mm -hmm. bullying, et cetera, et cetera, as well. Um, but I'm thinking now, you know, after that first chapter, birth. Yeah. What would I read in the next chapter? In the, in the next, yeah, in the chapter two, what would I read there? What, what would be part of it? So you're going to read in chapter two, um, the 
the journey going to France where my father had to hide me in his pocket and ride the train because they were not able to uh, pay for a train ticket for me. Um, the ride, when, when my parents decided um, because they were advised by the, the elders of the tribe to seek medical attention <laughs> and um, the tribe collected enough money to buy them two tickets. Um, the, the ride or the, the, the journey to France um, had, of course, so much um, to learn for both my parents and I, but uh, a lot of pain as well. Uh, you know, this journey mixed with both hope and fear. Fear because they were going to a country that they just pushed away from. Mm -hmm. So if you are going to France and they, you just voted to have France uh, leave, why are you going to France to seek medical attention? You're going to find mm -hmm. hostility there. And hostility they found they it was dreadful because uh you know when they got to uh finally to this little small town called roubaix um they had a relative living there and they shared the kitchen we were sleeping on the kitchen on the kitchen floor so i was hospitalized uh hospitalized as you can imagine Mm. And for two years, I was in and out of hospitals. Wow. To, uh, because I was diagnosed with rickets, malnutrition illness. Mm, I see. Okay. Then. And so yeah. I spent two years in and out of hospital. Do you have any and, memories from that? Because it's the first oh, two years. Oh, I do have memories uh, of a lot of experiences uh, in my childhood. Uh, notably, the um, the the times where I was in hospitals and uh, mm -hmm. where my parents would leave me weeks at a time, and um, it was very painful for me because I I felt um, um, like they were um, just abandoning me. Mm. you know and then coming back to get me and then drop me off again you know that was uh you know uh, and to this day in my relationships with women for instance i feel that you know i uh and of course i won't work it through with them but um i always warn them that uh i'll be feeling some sort of a you know, feeling of abandonment if you're not calling me in mm. two days. Like that that's stems from my childhood. Mm, the child trauma experience. Exactly. There's a lot of trauma, absolutely. But the question is, how do you channel your trauma? How you transcend trauma? How do you let trauma teach you? How do you use trauma as a source of energy to deal with other issues in your life?
Mm. Interesting question, because that leads me to one point which I wanted to mention. You meant, shared something very interesting on Instagram the other day. You opposed saying, be grateful for what you have, for what you want is on its way. Yeah. Going back at that time in your childhood, um, can you tell me what did you, what were you grateful to have? So, you know, I think, you know, um, the, when you're a child, you really don't know what that means. You know, you don't know what you're grateful for, you mm -hmm. know, uh, later, uh, and as you grow up, you start understanding the power of, of, of uh, gratitude and, uh, you realize the things that, uh, you, you were grateful for. And I think, you know, what I was grateful for, uh, I was glad that I had a grandma, my mom's mom, who really, um, helped me throughout my um, illness. And um, I was, uh, of course, grateful for uh, my parents being there, grateful for my, uh, you know, uh, my parents ended up having nine, you know, I, 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 a family of 13. So nine, I have nine sisters and three brothers. So the fact that we were sharing one bedroom for seven kids, for instance, uh, I'm grateful for the moments we were, mm fighting for a space in the bed, you know. Uh, I'm grateful for uh, me watching my, uh, my um, um, sisters pulling their hair and fighting because that was fun to watch. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, so uh, when you're a child, you live your life, you know, and you're not very concerned about what may happen. And uh, yes, when you're bullied, yes, you're concerned about what may happen because you're going to school with a dreadful feeling. Of course. Fear, anxiety, yeah. what's going to happen? Are they going to beat me again? Where are they going to put me? What shoe are they going to take away from me? What, you know, uh, are they going to take my jacket again? Sort of things like that. Mm. You know, yes, those are the fears. Uh, but yes, for, to answer your question, uh, I am grateful for the fact that my parents were able to leave Algeria and seek medical attention. So mm -hmm. I can be here talking to you. Wonderful. So when I read this chapter two of the journey going to France, um, will there be some another uh, part in chapter two? Or will that be chapter two yeah. and there will be a next chapter uh, about you being in France? Yeah, so I think the, the chapter uh, in, in France is the chapter of um, how um, human can be so um, cruel to one another. Cool. Cruel, cruel. Uh, cruel, cruel, yes, cruel, okay, yes. How, how people could be so um, both um, physically and emotionally um, violent towards other races, towards to uh, not even I, I wouldn't even call it racist because there's only uh, mm -hmm. I don't know who uh, I can't remember who said that I think it was um, um, Dr. Martha Luther King who said there's only one race and that's the human race and mm -hmm. um, you know I think uh, People who are 
you know, mean to others, violent to others, just because they have a different skin color is something I never understood, you know? And that's, uh, I lived that firsthand because um, between the people that were sending messages uh, in our home and at a very early age, I was the only one who could read. So I had to read, my parents were illiterate. Uh, messages like, if you don't leave, we're going to burn you alive. Imagine a 10-year-old kid reading messages like this to, the, their, to his parents. It's, it's horrible. Mm, uh, okay, the yeah. times where I'd be walking with my father and uh, a car would stop suddenly and push him and spit on him. And, you know, you see him falling on the ground and him saying nothing other than, son, please don't be sad. Please don't be sad. You know, things like that. And mm -hmm. at times, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah. No, um, I'm just thinking when you're sharing this kind of images right now, um, how would you describe yourself? Um, were you um, a very shy Yes, absolutely. Shy. You know, I was, uh, I was terrified, you know, okay. it's more than shy, you know, yeah. I think I, I was, uh, you know, a kid that was uh, paralyzed by fear. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, we talked about trauma, remember, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, these are traumatic events, one after the other. Back to back and you know, no, 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 you know, it's, uh, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a no, no different than a, you know, a um, African American child who is uh, at an early age has to uh, partake in a conversation with his parents about the uh, difficulties of growing up as a uh, African American and the consequences of being black. You know, mm. you have to suffer the consequences of being who you are. You know, you know as, as a child, we don't differentiate skin, but then once we grow up, we see that. It's yeah, like, we don't, it's yeah, we a, don't see skin. We don't see skin. Yeah. When we kids, we play together until, you know, our, you know, parents, uh, their, the racist parents fill these kids, you know, head with all kinds of rhetorics, you know, you know, erroneous and uh, very dangerous rhetorics, you know, and of course you have kids uh, coming at school, at, you know, starting at uh, 10, 11, 12, and uh, bully other kids because their parents told them that they're, you know, inferior to them. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, your, your childhood, when you're saying you were terrified uh, in a lot of moments, um, and we're talking about chapter three right now, is chapter three about your childhood? Um, so, if so, till what age, roughly? So, I think you know, chapter three um, is the the time where um, I'm trying to find myself. Would you call it also chapter three, trying to find myself? Yeah, finding myself. Mm -hmm. And you know, finding a an outlet to deal with my demons. Now, and I think, you know, you got the chapter two, you know, learning from, from the bullies, 
from the racists, you know, and at the same time getting love from my parents and the nurses at the hospital who were taking care of me, the doctors, you know, it's, it's a battle between, you know, fear and love again, mm. you know? The, the, the battle is kind of a theme going through yeah, the different it's, uh, chapters. You know, and if you really think about it, uh, ego has no chance. Uh, fighting ego, uh, uh, fear or ego have no chance fighting love because love doesn't fight. It's a state of being. It has no, it has no desire to fight anything because it's peace in itself. <laughs> love has no need to fight because it's peace in itself. Mm. Love is the origin of everything. Um, yeah, it's at the core of every body. When you uh, have the courage to peel all the layers, all the masks that you keep on wearing, you'll find that core and that core is love. And with that love, you can do, be, or have anything you want. You know, so yes, he, it was a, uh, you know, um, this journey through fear, pain, anxiety, and- battle of love and fear. And then, uh, and, uh, and, and understanding the power of love whenever I, you know, got to that place, that uh, um, peaceful state of being, which is love. Mm. It's when I felt the best. Yeah. So the chapter three would be, again, me finding an outlet and that is mm. when uh, when i um i have a i had a ritual uh, after school i would go home i would just drop my bag and go to that to the bedroom where we we're sharing with my siblings and mm -hmm. while they were watching tv i would go there and just simply cry to let go i wouldn't even talk to my parents about it mm -hmm. They had their own stress and fears mm. to deal with. So I would just go there and um, just cry. Cry, cry, cry until things would disappear, you know, off my chest, you know. Mm. The inner pressure of it. And I would feel much better, lighter, able to, uh, to function. And but it with... sounds also... You know, when you said uh, I have a ritual, meaning on the daily basis, if you do that on a daily basis, it was it, a daily basis. It becomes a habit, and a habit yeah. like this is yeah. Uh, so uh, you form, you form. You know, every habit has uh, a um, a reward, and for me, mm. the reward was that I felt much better, and mm. I was it was the only way I could uh, function. That's a very powerful sentence. It's the only way mm -hmm. to function. Yeah, because yeah. remember, I can't, you know, would come back from school, you know, yeah. all these hours filled with, you know, emotional roller coaster. Uh, mm. It was an emotional roller coaster while at school. And then you come home and you try to get rid of it. Yes. And uh, it's sort of a meditation, Daniel. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, yeah, you can see that actually. 
yeah, yeah. You, you're coming back to the state of peacefulness. Yeah. And um, so uh, one day, I was uh, almost 19. I came back, dropped the bag. I was about to go to the room and I saw uh, on TV, my siblings were watching a documentary and it was this Russian gymnast doing <laughs> the um, yeah. Iron Cross. And I saw this beautiful body, you know, at 19, I weighed 108 pounds. Uh -huh. Everyone was bigger than me, of course. Uh, and, you know, you know uh, for a boy, when you're skinny, that doesn't make it easier for your emotional state. Of course not, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I fell in love with that body. So what, what happened in that moment when you saw that? Immediately, I felt this, you know, incredible feeling. And a question popped up. And the question was, why can't I be just like that? What was your answer to that? There was a tremendous feeling, you know, that I felt. I call it this, in the book, Mind Over Body, I call it this magic within you it's your power of intention, you know? And it answered back. You can do it. And from Me, that yeah. moment on, uh, of course, I wanted to find out how do you build the body like this? Yes. So since it was a gymnast, naturally, I went to... Uh, a gymnastic club mm -hmm. and before doing that i didn't have the the courage to do it alone so i knocked on my neighbors um and uh, i asked uh his name was <laughs> who was at the same school than i was yeah our neighbor also a friend so we went together and turned out um I uh, demonstrated both the willingness to do something about my uh, um, predicament and also a huge amount of low self-esteem and fear because I saw all these kids and I immediately thought they were better than I. Mm. You faced the fear in that moment, right? I was facing fear, but I was, uh, I was, I was losing the battle because I would cocoon myself in that shelf. Uh -huh. So I would be, when they were stretching and warming up, I would be alone in the corner doing that. Oh, okay. So for how long did you do that? So that was the signal to them that I was inferior. So therefore half of them were even more than that, were hostile to me because I gave them the permission to do so. You sent out See, the signals. My neighbor, my friend did the opposite. Mm -hmm. And you fast forward uh, six months, eight months later, later, he was one of the best and I was one of the worst. So knowing that what you just shared with me, what would you say 
terms of learning. I think that um, when you love something, you have to, by nature, you automatically are pushing fear away because you're in that state of love. When you love something or someone, you're in that fear where, or in that place where fear doesn't reside. Remember, fear is based on the past or the future. It cannot It cannot reside in the present moment. Only love does. So when you love something or someone, you're here in the now. And because you're here in the now, there is no hostility inside of you. There's no war within. You're, in, you're living that inner peace. The being. And so therefore, mm. therefore you have the strength. Therefore, you, you exhibit willpower. And you play the game 100%. And you're not worried about what may other may think of you. And mm. that's when you are in that state of, 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 the, or of um, love, when you're in that um, love state of being. That's what happens. You're, you can do anything. But when you're under a fear, you, you worry about what others may think of you, what they're going to do to you. You think you're inferior. You know, you live at the low level of existence, as I mentioned in my book, Inner Fitness. You know, you're not in that higher level of existence. You know, you're living in fear, anxiety, uh, uncertainty, doubt. And you let everything, you know, push you down. Push you down, but also... Um not find yourself at all yeah, I'm there's, living, uh, there's no hope it's like yeah. you're in a hole and there's no way out mm. and uh, so the performance was horrible uh, in gymnastics I broke my bones my wrist yes. bones in competition and uh, it's, uh, it's not until the coach himself came and said this is not working for you Nordine so what did you do then afterwards? Uh, he, he mentioned, um, you know, putting some weight on me, you know, just go do some weightlifting. I went home and, um, of course, I went back to that room where I, I was crying, <laughs> being sorry for myself. And it took probably a week before I uh, regained my emotional strength and, and put myself back in that uh, love state of being and uh, I, I went to a gym and um, the first time the experience was uh, awkward because I saw this big guy who owned the gym coming towards me I got scared so I left oh. went okay. back to my room again and cried so your room seems to be your um, safe sanctuary place. yeah sanctuary. yeah sanctuary where uh, I was able to face my fear and to switch from that, you know, fear state of mind into love state of being. That was my moment. 
So mm -hmm. that's where I was going. And there are other ways now I do it. Mm -hmm. But um, so I was able to regain um, or to put myself back where I needed to be. And um, I went back to that gym. This time, uh, his name is Michel Dernot, got me from the back and put his big hand on my shoulder. And he said, young man, you came back. What are you afraid of? I said, you? <laughs> he said, why are you afraid of me? I said, you're so big. <laughs> he said to me, well, isn't it why you come, you come in here? I said, yeah, but to, to, to get a little bit, not like you. And he said, okay, well, you have to start somewhere. And I said, okay. But uh, so I asked him for the prices and they were, at that time, you know, I come from poor family. I couldn't afford it. And he said, uh, how about I give you one year for free? And then uh, you see how you feel after a year. Mm. That's how I started. That's how you started. Love it. Um, That's another chapter after that. Just wanted to ask you, um, I mean, just going back now, because I love that story. Um, when we're going back to chapter three. So chapter three goes till when? Uh, till... Uh, finding myself. Till finding yourself. Chapter four? Will then be that moment in the in the fitness studio, or will it? Yeah, then... mm -hmm. yeah, and I would call it a building emotional and physical strength. Mm -hmm. Because as I was working on my body, I found this extraordinary um, feeling of. Um, Belonging. belonging because to... i was in a gym uh -huh. and there were others um, the society the community around you yes were... so i was mm -hmm. there i was able to exchange you know and for the first time in my life i was able to talk to people that were not out to get me you know it's interesting that you say that because i was just thinking of you know it was the first moment for you to run towards something rather than running exactly. away from something. Away from me, from, from myself. Yes, or from yourself, yes. You were running towards fitness center, towards the... Yeah, towards passion. Yes. You remember that passion is first starts as an activity and then it morphs into a skill and then that skill becomes a passion. Do not believe all these motivational speakers who are saying oh go and get your passion as if passion was something you could go and buy at the supermarket mm -hmm. no it's not something you go buy at your uh next uh, at your neighborhood supermarket uh, in packs of 12 it doesn't exist yes. passion starts from doing an activity that you appreciate that you like then do it enough until it morphs into a skill. Mm -hmm. And that skill becomes passion. So kind of a circle from passion towards skill. Exactly. So it, it goes from the material thing to the spiritual thing. Because remember, passion is a spiritual thing, not 
a um, a worldly thing. It's soul feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, when you mentioned about that story in the fitness center, I'm, I'm thinking of this, you know, because we usually think, and you mentioned that also in your book, you know, that that hero story. Um, uh, there's this person in the beginning who has a lot of difficulties and is building up towards. And I was just thinking um, what happens afterwards. So, you know, you're saying chapter four, um, uh, building emotional resilience, uh, physical and uh, strengths. Yeah. What happens afterwards? What is then, what, what, yeah, what is the next chapter about? So, so you go to, towards, so the, your, your, it's like a statue. You, you're given a piece of marble and then you're sculpting it. Okay. And in your life, how did that look like? What was that in your it life, looked, that next chapter? It, how did it look like? It looked like I was sculpting this new Nordine, both mm-hmm. emotionally and physically, as well as spiritually. Mm-hmm. And um, what, you know, the, the, whole, the whole experience um, going through hardship like uh, wanting to give up because it was hard. Mm-hmm. You know, and understanding that was my ego talking. Mm -hmm. But when I saw, I was visualizing way before it was, uh, you know, the the big thing about visualization, affirmation. I was doing all that way before I even heard of it. Mm -hmm. So because I was passionate, about what I was doing and how I was feeling, you know, because there's a physiological event um, of exercising that uh, uh, helps you with your anxiety. And so I felt better. Mm-hmm. The more I felt better, the more I wanted. Mm-hmm. And physically it was the same because I was getting bigger. And the more Michelle was right, the mm-hmm. more I got bigger, the more I wanted. It's like making money. The more you make money, the more you want money. And so it was, you know, a mixture between the emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. I was, I was creating a balance in my life for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that balance, which you just mentioned, to what did it lead you to? So, so after I yeah. started, um, after, after I built this statue, um, I had to show it around. So that was uh-huh. competition. And I took a liking into competing. My first competition was humiliating. Why? Again, I had to go back to that room. <laughs> For what reason? Well, because uh, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And uh, I remember the day Michelle came and asked me if I wanted to compete. It was Wednesday and the show was Saturday. And I'm like, Michelle, do you think I'm ready? And he said, yeah, yeah. You know, the reason behind it, you know, it was that uh, one of the athletes was sick and uh, I was taking his, I was replacing him. Did you know that at that time? That no. Or a backup? No, just uh-huh. asked me on Wednesday and the show went Saturday. And I said, 
my God, that, that's, I don't know. So I trusted him. Yeah. So he threw me a, 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 a um, bottle of tan, spray tan, to, and um, gave me a magazine and said, you know, those are the, look at the poses there and do the same thing. So from there, I built a fear because I doubted it. And I was not, I was uncertain, you know, I was not prepared. So you doubted from the beginning when he asked you to do it. Exactly. You Prepar your if own. you're not prepared, mm -hmm. if you're not prepared, you're going to be fearful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the fear started on that day and it built up all true when I stepped on stage. You know, in bodybuilding, you're asked to, you know, move around on, you know, and do poses with music. The start of the music, I didn't start posing, I, I froze. And people were, you know, shouting, booing, and uh, throwing things. I got humiliated, Daniel. Again, similar situation. Again, horrible. Same. Yeah. I felt, mm -hmm. even with that strong body, I felt humiliated. You know, so, I was not ready. I was not defined enough. I was yeah. not, you know. And uh, so I went backstage and I sat down on the bench until everyone was done. I saw people with medals, trophies, and, and the journey back home was a disaster. But something happened afterwards. Something at that competition, while I was, I got out of, um, of the uh, locker room to watch uh, a, um, a guest poser that was brought from Canada who uh, happened to be runner-up Mr. Olympia, which is the biggest talent in bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. And that guy was for me a sort of um, a god, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, uh, for me, Muhammad Makawi was the uh, embodiment of the sh this model men, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Greek God, you know? Yes, yes, yes. How old were you at that moment? I was 19, 19, 19, 19 almost 20. 19, and um, <laughs> I was standing, I remember I had a uh, bag with a sandwich my mom made me. I didn't even eat the sandwich because I was so sad. And Mohammed was behind the table signing autographs with a translator and our eyes crossed. You know, we are, we are, are uh, um, we looked at each other from afar and he knew how, you know, uh, you know um, devastated I was because he saw what happened. He went through this and because he was Egyptian and he knew I was background mm. Algerian, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he called me and he asked me to come to see him. And I, I didn't know what to do. Again, that fear, you know, it's a sense of inferiority. You know, how dare I going to talk to this God? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I went anyway. What can you actually, yeah, I mean, that, that question you have in mind, like, what, what, why, what should I yeah, say? Yeah, what is he, what does why? he want for me? For yeah. me? Is he going to humiliate me too? You know, those questions. So I went to, 
the table and he said to the, to the um, translator, he said, tell him not to give up. He has the greatest symmetry of all the athletes I saw. And that you could say boosted my self-esteem, right? But it did something far beyond. What is it? He gave me love. Mm -hmm. Okay. He gave me love. He didn't just say, um, don't give up, you'll make it. But he said, don't give up. You have the greatest symmetry of all. Symmetry is something that is, is not given to you. It's natural. In other words, it's, you can't go and, and, and build it. Symmetry in bodybuilding is having a small waist and wide shoulders, no matter how much muscle you have. So I was already in my mind, I was thinking, oh my, I'm gifted. So he actually saw you from the outside perspective. Potential. Yes, because you saw, he saw yeah. my true mm. potential. Mm. And this is what uh, led me to discover this years after I was uh, sitting in my office at the resort, um, thinking about the difference between self-worth and self-esteem. But that we'll talk about that later. So, but that time, I, I connected with my self-worth. I was no longer operating from self-esteem on that from that day on. So, from that day onwards, um, or till that day, um, we're just talking about chapter five right now. That mm -hmm. specific moment you had there as well. How would you call this chapter five? Um. It seems to I be think a very, very important, crucial moment. Yeah, it's a crucial part where um, I was, I think it's, I was molding or preparing for um, the pinnacle, so to speak, to reach the pinnacle both uh, in all aspects of my life, whether it was emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual, um, that part or that moment was the initiation of understanding what real equilibrium in life was about. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about ba balance in life, But there is no balance, Daniel, when you really think about it, because balance means you are there all the time, you know, at a certain level. <laughs> But if you get a phone call and it's a bad news, you're off balance, right? Of course, yeah. There is no such a thing as balance 24-7. There is equilibrium. Equilibrium dictates that you're at a certain level. You may go down, but because of awareness... You are aware you're down, you get back yourself, you get yourself back up. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, and that equilibrium is created when you have enough emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual energies. You know, we are yeah. humans mm -hmm. that function with energy. 
it's actually and the energy, energy is in all four mm. it's in the emotional mental physical and spiritual when you have that in check and your reservoirs are filled enough they're not low that's equilibrium so you would call it also um chapter five yes yeah, so i would call it you know equilibrium So when you say this, you know, we just talk about the balance and there is no such thing like as balance. Um, I wonder when we're talking about chapter five now to that moment um, and obviously knowing, you know, what you achieved afterwards, uh, I wonder like, how would you form chapter six now? What were your stages in chapter six? What were your learnings? In I think six? I would call, I would call uh, the dance. The dance? Yeah. Dancing because yes. because now I'm aware I'm you know I have uh, growth I grew emotionally mentally physically and spiritually I got myself to the top um, of my game uh, I'm educated I speak five languages um, but that now I have navigate I have to navigate uh, life and make the best of it mm. and also create life or co-create life, which are my kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but then uh, I had to really discover this word, awareness. Awareness is knowing, okay? And feeling it deep down that something needs to be fixed. Because mm -hmm. If you do not know you have a problem, you can't fix the problem. Of course. Awareness allows you to fix the problem because you're aware mm. you have a problem. You may not know what the problem is at first, but because you're aware, it allows you to look for it, to investigate, I would to even, search. I would even say uh, one step before from, you know, often we be saying awareness, we often exchange it with self-awareness. Uh, being aware of something, but also being aware if that's, as we call it, problem or whatever you call it, is that's a good or bad thing. It's also important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Self-awareness stems from awareness. And to me, the awareness allowed me to, um, to discover that we are always dancing a dance between fear and love. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the longer we stay in love, the better is for our health and well-being. The longer we stay in that fear position, mm -hmm. the worse it is for our health and well-being. So what is in that place of fear? What is in that place of love? That place of fear is when you're driven driven by what I call uh, society, uh, self-esteem driven, you know, where mm. you are just going for what others think of you, what others want you to be, do, or have. Mm -hmm. you're, you're chasing your tail. You know, it's all illusion because what you want to get, you'll get it, and then you want something else. You're never here. Your body is here, 
but your mind is everywhere else. You never listen to your inner voice. Never. You're, you're not yeah. in that mindful place. You're not in the moment. So when you stay um, in that place where you, I call it the low level of existence, where you're driven by fear, mm -hmm. anxiety, doubt, and all of that, it's very detrimental to your health and well-being. And often for so many people, uh, they are not aware of that and only aware of that once it's awareness, hence awareness. Exactly. Okay. Yes. If you do not have awareness, that's where you stay. Hmm. Not in when you, when you, you mentioned something interesting in your book, um, and it talks a little bit about the chapter six now when you, um, he said, by the age of 24, I was a world champion bodybuilder, earning the titles of Mr. France, Europe, World, Mr. Universe. I knew how to work my body to the limit and fight for my dreams. When I was reading this, I was thinking, what was your limit and what were your dreams at that time? Yeah, so my dreams were always to be, you know, now I have a platform, okay? Uh -huh. And to tell the world that there is a place where happiness is not something you search, but something you connect to. Happiness is not something uh, that um, stems from objects or achievement or, or, or anything else. Happiness has no reason, is a state of being. My message would be a lot um, better articulated if I had a platform and titles because people would be, I would be more credible and have the ability to make people listen. Listen to what? what did to the that? message of uh, peace, inner peace. Mm -hmm. Think about it for a second, Daniel. When people talk about peace of mind, mm -hmm. what are they thinking about? They're looking for something out there so they can be at peace, right? Yes. I mean, it's often, I mean, in specific society, um, first thoughts in specific societies, short-term satisfaction as well. What if I told you that peace doesn't reside in the mind? Mm -hmm. So why are we talking about peace of mind? Peace does not reside in the mind. You mentioned that in the book regarding yeah. mindfulness as well uh, versus state of being as well. Yeah, peace is not in your relationship because there's always going to be arguments there. Mm -hmm. Peace is in your, not in your job because there are ups and downs. Peace is not in your religion because you, your religion teaches you a, uh, an organized teaching. Peace in your, is in your spirituality, the experience of you. That's where peace resides. And you say that, how would peace feel, how does it feel like? 
peace is of quietness you know quiet peace is blissful mm-hmm. peace is blissful uh, a lotus flower is beautiful strong yet lives on the bed of dirt mm-hmm. you find peace it doesn't mean that everything is okay peace is the ability to be here in the now in that state of love mm-hmm. okay that state of being with the chaos around you mm. it's you know that picture what you're just saying i mean often i see pictures i mean obviously you know you see online pictures of let's say when you meditate when you, a famous picture online when you actually when you're looking online you're looking for peace and danger around you you see that picture of a monk sitting on a small island and there's fire around him mm-hmm. so despite the circumstances there is inner peace so as you said right now with like the, the surrounding as well i just have this image right now in front of me because i can see this peacefulness i mean that that kind of inner yeah the peace despite the danger around you but simultaneously, at the same time, you're not affected by that. No, exactly. So like the lotus flower is not affected by the bed of dirt. Yes. You, your life, your life situation in your life. I love this uh, uh, analogy that the uh, Ecatoli makes about life situation and life itself. You know, um, so peace is being able to live your life in that um, state of peacefulness, you know, mm. and without having your mind going 100 miles an hour, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's surrendering. Surrendering is not giving up. Surrendering is giving yourself this um, time to reflect upon you. And the ability to open up to greater things in your life. Okay, um, we have to function in society. In order to function in society, we always need to be connected within. Mm-hmm. Most people are disconnected. They look for happiness in places that happiness is not. So true. I mean. As I mentioned before, short-term satisfaction, shopping, whatever yeah. objects. I, I challenge mean, anyone. Of, yeah. I challenge anyone. You look, I have worked and still work with people of wealth, billionaires, uh, Hollywood stars. I challenge anyone, anyone, to show me that happiness needs something or someone to exist because it doesn't because if it did the person who just got a mention would be happy for life right yeah it's never the case no that person is miserable in that 30 rooms um not in for me important to know is now what is actually the next step what was the next step in your life um you know we talked about the, the dance between fear and love um 
you know, being around that age, you reach that titles. What what happened afterwards? What, what were the next chapters? Well, I think the, the next chapter, you can call it um, Let's Dance Together. That's chapter six. Uh, you mean, um, sorry. The afterwards. dance and now and let's, let's dance, dance together together because ah, okay. with what I have now, I'm teaching people to dance the same dance and they dance it with me. And where were you dancing? And where were you teaching? We are, we are dancing the dance of awareness. I'm teaching awareness. I'm teaching people to go from the low level of existence to the higher level of existence. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm holding people's hand and pull them, pulling them out of that hole. And what can I read in the chapter seven? So when you, so from the low part of existence to the high level existence, what was that part in your life? You are, you are, everything you do is based on choice. Mm -hmm. Choice stems from, from a thought. Where does the thought comes from? Thought is energy, comes from outside. Mm -hmm. The importance of putting yourself in a positive environment is what creates positive thought. Mm. And positive thought creates positive emotions. Positive emotion creates positive feelings. Positive feelings create positive behavior, actions. Mm. So I teach people to put themselves in the right environment so they can think the right thing and feel the right things and do the right things. Mm. In your book, um, Inner Fitness, um, you talk about specific moments of other participants uh, when you were uh, doing the, this kind of programs there. Um, is that already part of that chapter? Seven? I'm just wanted to know a little from the chronological side of thing. Is that that moment where you uh, teach that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so just to explain quickly, what did you do? So at the that chapter time? seven yeah. is, is me not only teaching people, but seeing people go from the caterpillar to the butterfly. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking whether it's a 10 year old kid or a 90-year-old man who just is realizing that he's been living a life of pain mm -hmm. now has the key to connect to happiness without achieving anything, mm -hmm. okay? Or without achieving material things. Let me explain to you. There was an older man who taught me this, Daniel. Tell me. Between 16 years old and 30 year old, there is 14 years where you have the ability to search and create your life. Mm -hmm. 14 years. 
then based on what you did with those 14 years, you're either going to live from 30 to let's say 90, which is 60 years, right? Mm -hmm. Happy or miserable? Mm -hmm. You live longer, um, using the fruit of your, of your 14 years experience, then, so in other words, you live longer older than younger. Because if we can say the 30, you're still young, but then you're approaching an age where you're not that young. But if you live long enough, 90, 95, uh, yeah, yeah. that's a long window to benefit from the fruits you reaped during those youth years. But isn't it also when you, from the youth years, you know, you, you let's say you make most use of the fruits, the experience from the, the earlier years, but isn't it also um, important to know how to make use of these fruits? Yeah, absolutely. So, also, you know, you, know, you, can you have were- a lot of great experience, but not yet. Yeah. You were, you were talking to me earlier and asked me, you know, uh, your dreams. Um, you know, one of my dreams when I was little, I always wanted to meet an old, old man with a big white beard in a, in a cavern. Mm -hmm. yeah. That would give me all the secrets of life. I got to the point where I have enough, I've done enough, to teach the youth or anyone not to make those same mistakes. In other words, wisdom is a life lived, not to be lived. You have people out there that are 20, 25, who claim to know everything about everything and they're willing to teach you that. Mm -hmm. That I don't buy, Daniel, because wisdom is earned through experience. I fully agree with you, yes. It's the same thing as like, you usually have that picture of like a, a child, you know, putting the hands on the hot plate. If you teach a child not to do it, it doesn't uh -huh. matter why. You only tell, yeah, you yeah. Always tell them, what it shouldn't be, but the why. I mean, you don't teach them why, or they don't experience by themselves. They never understand why. Yeah. So we are kids are taught how to um, do certain things, um, but they're not taught the spiritual aspect of things. So, in a nutshell, what would you say is needed to teach um, the younger generation on the spiritual way? I think, you know, um, our youth need to be to understand how the inner part of one's being work. Um, this notion of spending nine hours a day on social media is absolutely disastrous for mental and um, emotional and even physical well-being. Um, when you see that our kids are 
uh, committed suicide because they did not get enough like or they got mm. bullied online. That is uh, the opposite of spirituality. They know nothing about their spirituality. Mm. You mentioned about social media, and I, I, I was reading that also in the, in the book, and you mentioned that also on social media. Um, in reference to the youth, there has a lot to be learned. But often this kind of system, social media, is being created by adults. From your point of view, what do you think adults need to be teached to? I think adults have a great deal of uh, learning to do also in terms of technology and how to use it better. Um, and, uh, and when I say better, you know, uh, create an environment that is conducive to uh, uh, humanity's uh, consciousness, to mm -hmm. raise that level of consciousness, not to demolish it, not to push it down. You know, because Daniel, Uh, whether it's Twitter, uh, Instagram, or Facebook, uh, what you see is disastrous and, and very detrimental to uh, the future of our youth. Mm. You know? So I said to adults, surrender. Surrender to your own peace feel it, learn from it, and teach it to your kids. Because after all, is the only thing that is real. It's not illusory. It's not mind stuff, but heart stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when you see a father who's working all day and doesn't see his child only for five minutes. Mm. Okay. What do you think this parent, this father is teaching the child? Abundant, He's teaching abundant, yeah. the child that mm. there is another parent which is called social media. Of course. I mean, when you're talking about adults, uh, and you mentioned that example right now with the, with the father, for example, um, often so many adults, and I mean, put parents on the side as well as uh, also uh, huge responsibility on that side. But in general, parents um, or in general adults have a great responsibility to be role models for others, especially young people. Yeah. And that responsibility comes down with knowing what is the consequence of your behavior in front of other people. And I think this is very important to con consider as well, because when you mentioned about youth and adults, I was just thinking about that, you know, we're talking about, okay, what youth need to learn, but isn't that also what the adults still need to, Absolutely. to understand? Absolutely. You know, we are guilty. I mean, parents, us parents, adults are guilty uh -huh. of uh, doing nothing, absolutely nothing to teach our children how to be, not how to do, how to be, you know? And uh, the, there's a reason for that, Daniel. You know, when you are driven by fear you, and, and you are low level existence, which is most people are, who are working 12, 16 hours, who are watching the news uh, 24 7, they live in that fear mode, okay, or fear zone. When you do that, 
your brain is not working optimally. In other words, your creative mind shuts down. So how can you teach your kids something that you're not able to learn yourself mm. or feel? You have to be able to switch from a fear state of mind to a love state of being in order and stay there long enough in order for you to have the tools to teach your children. Mm. So there has to be a whole... Yes, yeah. a father that first. comes from uh, a 14 hours and, and sits down with his kids pretending because the word pretending is important uh, to note and using while talking to their kids, they're both using their phones answering to texts. You're not with your child. You know, Daniel, you know when you are with someone 100% is when you are present mentally, emotionally, ment uh, emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. That's the power of full engagement, the whole being is present. When mm. you give that to a person, that's when you are being true and then, to your and teaching. That's the and you, love state of being. And you are actually mm. spending time with someone, time and energy. But you're not there when you're using your phone, you're pretending. I agree. And the kid yeah. feels it. The kid's not going to tell you anything. Because he's doing the same thing. They're copying, of course. They're copying what they're seeing. Exactly. Vice versa, yeah. Um, Nordin, I want to quickly go back to the book a little bit. Um, we, you know, we, I think we reached already chapter seven. Let, let's dance together. Um, I'm just thinking about, you know, uh, knowing what you achieved so far in, in your life. Um, and also, I mean, obviously you worked also, I mean, in that resort in the spa as well. Um, what will be part of the next chapters? Or yeah, what, what is the next chapters about till we come to the present moment? I think, you know, the next chapters is seeing my own kids. Mm, okay. How they evolve um, and how well they learn and how impactful are they going to be with their generation knowing the tools that i have uh given them my um you can call it um it's my um there's a word for it uh, not heritage but my um You know what I will be given. What what will they really um, receive from you? Receive yeah. from me, and how will they use it? Like I said, to impact their generation, and mm -hmm. uh, I am so glad that I'm able to teach them that because there are two terrific. I have a, a daughter, Isabella, and uh, she's. Uh, 17 and my son is 19 Armand and they're uh, great kids you know they're great kids uh, and they listen and uh, I would say 
honestly, Daniel, that they are uh, more awake than uh, kids their age. What did you learn from them in your two kids? I learn every day from them. One of the things that I learn is um, the, they teach me how to catch my fear. Um, and they teach me to stop trying to be them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they teach me to um, to understand that they are individual themselves. They don't have to live my life, but they live their own life. As parents, we always want the best for our kids, but sometimes we're standing in their ways. Mm, because deep down we have something else in mind. Because we are afraid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we are afraid that, uh, okay, I told my daughter, okay, when you drive, when she got her license, I told her when you drive, there are, there are places of town so you don't drive because the roads are not, but that's stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, telling people to, uh, to, 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 to be you, you know, and they're not you. You limit them already. Um, you are. Based on you you want to protect them, but by protecting them, mm. you uh, are, uh, you know, hindering in their own life. You are creating more damage than uh, they would. Uh, Even so it, it's, it's mean to be uh, in a good way, but in the end of the day, you limit them. Yeah. You limit yeah. Them so there, so are, yeah. there are things that, of course, you have to teach them. You know, when you see that they're a danger to themselves, mm-hmm. yes. But you have to let them learn on their own. It's their own life. Learning by doing. That's how it's usually. I mean, in, of course, as a parent, you have to, you know, create a and I would safe go environment. F- I would go beyond that. Learn not only learning by doing, but learning by being. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Learning by being. What are you learning when you're truly sitting for 10, 15, 20 minutes? And giving yourself peace, you're learning tremendous amount of stuff. Mm. And yet, you not have yeah. thought of not, before. Yet yeah, you're not doing anything. You're sitting. Oh. So when chapter eight is about your two kids, I mean, you know, uh, 17, 18 years old. You mentioned um, 19, 17, 19, 17, 19. Sorry, mm. 17, 19. I mean, this almost two decades. Um, there were a lot of learnings, you know, for them, where they received that learning from you, but also from your side. Um, what did that chapter shape you for the next chapters? So, for, so um, hmm. it's a great question. Because usually, you know, every chapter is a preparation for the next chapter, which we yeah. may not have thought of, and they're Absolutely. connected with each you know, other. So what did that yeah. shape you So, for the next chapter in your life afterwards? Yeah, so I think it's, it's preparing me to uh, not, like I said, not only uh, to, to see how it unfolds with my own children, but um, how my, my teaching is impacting 
you know, others, because now with this retreats that I have created, um, you know, people coming from all around the world and um, doing a, whether a three or five, say, or seven day retreat with me called Your Life Is Now at, uh, you know, uh, resorts that they choose themselves through my website. Um, I think that in itself is, um, it's very interesting for me to uh, to see what how impactful you know we've done several already which have impacted people's lives um, and also this new tribe that I am putting together um, the inner fitness tribe uh, I guess you know this chapter should call, should should be called inner fitness the unfolding of the inner fitness um, as a process of getting people from a low level of existence to a higher level of existence and stay there. Mm. So that so. tribe that you explained, um, you know, the, the retreat, um, all this leads to the unfolding. Yeah, so exactly, leads to the unfolding. It's so, for me, I'm sitting down and working with individuals who, uh, they, came he they came here, wherever it's, wh whether it's at Canyon Ranch or um, Savannah, one of the resorts, and they were expecting to sit down with me and talk about fitness, for instance. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it's a whole... I mean, the whole life the whole is almost, yeah. flashing. Yes, yes, yes. Their cries and their hugs and there's laughs and there's feeling all that blessing for me is what really makes it worthwhile. So make, make it worthwhile is for you to how to say that to unfold inside a human being to bring them to the higher existence. Yeah, ex absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, I asked uh, my mailman, very uh, interesting guy. And I said, the moment you drive your car, the, the mail truck and you come and deliver all the letters, what are you thinking throughout that, you know, when you are delivering and then you leave and you're done delivering? And he said, I feel like I have brought them the most important things they're looking forward to. Interesting. Yeah. And it's true. You ask anyone. They're looking forward to get the mail. Mm -hmm. I know I do. No matter what it is. Mm. Um, and to me, I think I'm the mailman of the universe. One of those. Mm -hmm. I'm delivering the universe's message. Nothing more. All of us are in a certain sense. 
Okay. We just have to surrender to our job. <laughs> the universe has given us a job and guess what? Every job that the universe send you left undone always will be met with anxiety as a, as, a re, as a reminder that you need to be doing what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my spiritual explanation of why we have anxiety. Mm -hmm. We have anxiety when we are supposed to be doing or being somewhere some 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 something and we're not doing it we get anxiety mm -hmm. interesting I every never time this angle yeah daniel every time i'm active every time i'm doing and being something whether it's writing or exercising being at the at service of, of humanity i don't feel anxiety if you give rather than if you when give, I'm, you can always um, be more in the state of exactly. Being you know, uh, yeah. boredom. Mm -hmm. Boredom is the best friend of anxiety. <laughs> yes, that's yes. You feed anxiety with boredom. You know, uh, the opposite of uh, of uh, boredom is mindfulness. Explain me that quickly. So, so when you're bored. Yeah. When you're bored, your mind is everywhere. Your body is doing nothing, but your mind is everywhere. In the fear mode, thinking about this, you have all these thoughts. Ah, but when you're okay. mindful, you are here. You're being. You're not you yes, bored. Yes, yes, yes. I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, talking about that, uh, the being and the being here i'm just thinking about we're talking about right now in chapter nine about your current work as well literally your current work what you're doing right now as well mm. um we talked a little bit before in chapter eight about your two daughters as well which i actually quickly want to understand want to know from you how would you call that chapter chapter eight with your two daughters how would and you call my it? son and my son and my daughter ah, sorry 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 yeah. son yeah. and a daughter how would you call that chapter so um, I, I would call it uh, watching them. Watching them. Okay. Watching them. That's interesting. Observation is also. Mm -hmm. And the next chapter, I would just call it the, um, delivering the message. Delivering the message. So that's chapter nine, delivering the message. Uh -huh. That's where you currently are, right? That's your current chapter. Yes. See, you know, I'm still learning. I, I will always learn. But, you know, my job, uh, I, I, most people call me the intuitive coach. Mm -hmm. And that's because I sit and I listen. I listen long enough until I don't even exist anymore in the room. It's mm -hmm. just the person talking to me. And when they're done, I just start giving them my messages. And it's never the same for different individuals mm. because they have different learning, different lives. Like a 
yeah, like different challenges. Mindset, as you say, listening is uh, can be received in so many different levels. Listening, yeah, the because words, listening the face, uh, yeah, body a language, good, etc. A good coach is smart enough to understand that uh, the solutions don't come from him, but from the client. That's proper coaching, yes. Which actually is very sad because uh, you know, I, for the last few years, I, it's. I keep seeing, and it's, it, it's, I would not say break my heart, but it's very sad to see that the word coaching is being often exchanged with the word mentoring or training. Yeah. And actually coaching is helping the client to unlock the answer and to help the client to find the answer by themselves rather than- uh, It always comes, it, uh, you don't have the answer, they do. Exactly. You have you there to, because you're aware and you're listening, you have the ability because they're in their heads. Their ego is preventing them from finding the solutions. Yes. And you're in a different place and you're listening with love, I hope, and you can get those solutions brought to you by the same person who is going through them. Exactly. You have the answers inside you. You have to absolutely unfold them. You know, when we reach now the one of the last chapters uh, in your autobiography till the present moment, you know, I'm wondering, like, you know, when I'm reading this book, when I'm reading like uh, the, these nine chapters, like, what's your next chapter about? If you would give a teaser, what would it be? Hmm. Huh. I would love to, I really (laughs) would love to notice a shift in humanity's consciousness. Uh Okay. When people are going to realize that everyone has their own reality and perception. And when we understand that, and are able to switch position and see where the, the other person is coming from is when we create peace. Right now, we are at the stage where we refuse to see others' point of view or perception or reality because everyone is right, even the, the one that we think is wrong coming from their perception, their upbringing, their life experience, that's the reality. You know, what you see is not necessarily what your neighbors see. Mm. But if you want to live peacefully with your neighbor, you're gonna have to learn to agree to disagree. And perhaps have the courage enough to switch position so you can see what they see. You need to see that different. But that is, can only be done at a spiritual level. Mm. Ego prevents that to happen from from happening. Ego, fear prevents you from putting yourself in your neighbor's shoes. Prevents you of changing the. The, the position, position. Well. yeah 
Um, I want to very quickly, because I'm conscious on the time, I don't want to like take too much from your time as well. Sure. Um, regarding, you know, your book, your, The Inner Fitness, mm -hmm. uh, your book which you released uh, mm -hmm. just recently. And, you know, I noticed one thing. In the very first few pages, I noticed that you're talking literally um, about the present moment as well. Uh, mm -hmm. You wrote it in a time, obviously, with uh, COVID time as well. Um, where people could immediately relate to it as well. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit more about what was the trigger why you wrote this book, Inner Fitness, and also self-worth? You talk a lot about self-worth as well. Yeah. What do you see in self-worth and what is missing nowadays in our society? Yeah. I, the reason I wrote uh, Inner Fitness, Five Steps to Overcoming Fear and Anxiety While Building Your Self-Worth, is because I was sitting... Um, in my office uh, after um, a retreat that I had with the uh, corporate people. And I saw how, um, how they're driven by the self-esteem notion, you know? Um, and it dawned to me that self-esteem, when you look at it uh, and when you look at the definition anywhere on, you know, whether it's uh, Webster or, or any, any definition of self-worth and self-esteem, they're the same. They're not, absolutely not. And I'm ready to challenge anybody uh, on that topic. Self-esteem is uh, actually, uh, esteem comes from the Latin word estimare, which is to est estimate. Mm -hmm. It's an estimation of you, by you, of your own experience and who you are based on your perception of you and others' perception of you, what they know of you. Mm -hmm. In other words, it can be boosted up and burst down. Self-esteem can be... Um, like I said, boosted by someone who's walking in your office and giving you a compliment when you felt down a minute ago. Yeah, it's a small things often. And then sure. somebody yeah. else can walk in 10 minutes later and say, oh, Daniel, what have you been doing? Have you been sleeping? You look like crap. And boom, it's down again. It goes up and down. And can, that happens anytime Anyone can do that, and that is self-esteem. It's, it's driven by outside elements. Mm -hmm. Self-worth indicates that you are unique. You have breath. You're alive. And self-worth is what got me out of my holes throughout my life. Each experience I was going through, um, each negative experience I was going through, I was always pulled out by my self-worth mm -hmm. and reconnected to my higher level of existence. You know, Daniel, uh, you would agree with me that birth is a miraculous thing. 
the medical world still cannot even describe. I mean, it's something nobody can our, can yeah. understand birth still. Mm -hmm. It's a competition that, unlike any other, you never have a competition like that again in your life. Mm. You win. One sperm wins against 500 million sperm, and that is you. You have been given life. Mm -hmm. Compared to all the experiences, negative experiences, challenges you're going to have in your life, you already won the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Nothing will compare to that. You are already a winner. And that is true to, you know, whether it's me, you, a president, or the Pope. We are the same. No one is superior or inferior. We are just different. Mm. And the sad thing is actually adding to that point is that we don't feel like that. Um, many not raising to that point of being aware of what is their own capability as well and what is their own existence. Um, not seeing themselves, as you say, like, you know, from the from the moment you are born, you, your heart is beating till the moment you're dying, it stops. Exactly. Beating. But that in between um, that heartbeat, it shows that you are alive, but may, many are not, you know, alive to the fullest, to the highest. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's a quote that I read a long time ago that said, uh, people often, um, run out run out of life before the run out of time love it yeah that's that's so true yeah i mean it it, it actually you know i'm just seeing right now the picture of so many people who are dying inside themselves years before the physical oh, yeah. death um, absolutely so i, I think before. you know yeah you know, we're understanding that um, we are, first of all, we are all human dying. We are, we are dying. It's a process. Life and death are the same. Mm -hmm. Every second that is passed is dead. <laughs> right? So understanding that fact, it, it sounds very negative, but it's not. You know, we are human beings that are dying as well. Making the best out of each moment is important. Rising yeah. to the higher level of existence is important. Staying there as much as you can. I'm not saying that you can stay there 24-7 because it's erroneous uh, of me to say. But when you teach yourself awareness and you know, you build that inner fitness and you, and you realize when you're down, you can get yourself up. Having the tools to do that, to me, is the secret of life. Mm. I mean, you wrote uh, on Instagram, I had a quote, when you fall to the ground, you either let fear keep you down or get up and keep fighting. Exactly. So you have two choices. Either you stay. Yeah. Down, always. Or it's, we always have a choice. Uh. Yeah. My father used to say, you know, what are you afraid of falling down to the ground? There's nothing else than the ground. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's the lowest. Exactly. All you have to do is get up. Exactly. As long as you have self-worth, 
as long as you have, you connected to self-worth, by the way. Self-worth, you build your way up there, okay? When you realize that you're down. But when you up there, you know it's the place that is going to allow you not only to be, but also to teach how it feels to others. And you don't have to say a word because your energy is going to reveal itself. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can walk in the supermarket very confident and people love that energy. Of course. You didn't see a word. You didn't say a word. When you're entering a room and people already feel. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. that is self-worth. It's mm-hmm. not confidence. Once I was asked of Arnold, people can think, you know, I know many people love Arnold and many people don't, you know, and by the way, it's same with me or anybody. And uh, they were asking me, you know, do you know Arnold? Yes, I do. And um, what do you think? Why do you think he's so arrogant? Arnold is never, has never been arrogant. He's not arrogant. He has self-worth. Okay. And with that, he was able to reinvent himself so many times. Mm-hmm. It's a foundation, literally, to, to build. build you know, huh? so that's, it looks like arrogance. He's so confident. That, my friend, is self-worth. Overconfidence often has been expressed or been seen as arrogant. Yeah, yes, it's been it's seen a, as, uh, but uh, look at, uh, you know, uh, is a He's a human being. He's a two-part being. He's got that ego and he's got that love. Uh-huh. And he danced the dance all the time. Uh-huh. But Arnold is more in that place of love than anybody may think of him. And that's just an example. I have many Hollywood uh, friends of mine that uh, are in the same category. And other normal people, my neighbor, I have a, a wonderful neighbor who does the same thing. Mm-hmm. are driven by self-worth not self-esteem not yeah. fear self-worth can be seen as well and this is the most important thing not just felt but also seen self-worth um, is a self-worth is stems from love self-esteem stems from ego and fear yes um one of the last questions i have is you know in every book there is a copyright section Mm-hmm. And copyright, as you know, is you know, don't copy this, don't do this. So, mm-hmm. if I would read your autobiography, what advice would you give the reader not to copy from your life? Don't do. I this. think I would. I would uh, tell readers not to uh, get uh, driven by self-esteem. Um. I would tell people not to react, but use evidence and facts to, um, I call it um, being proactive. Being proactive, you already gather information in order to move forward. Just don't react, you know, and that's ego-based. I would tell people, cultivate your thoughts before you get into action. Mm -hmm. And I will tell finally, 
people uh, that fitness is not just the body, like I thought for a while myself. Fitness is the fitness of life. So if you want to look good, feel good too. Don't waste your time just looking mm. good for mm. the sake of looking good because it doesn't get you anywhere. And yeah. this is what I'm going to add. A person who is mean, who projects negativity, no matter how big or how their body looks, it's just a matter of minutes before people are uh, repelled by them. You can look like a million dollars and say something to someone that is not pleasant. Boom, you're the ugliest person on the planet in two seconds. Or even less. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a fitness, you know, when I was, uh, saw your book and then before I even start reading it, it's, you know, uh, immediately thinking about that, you know, we have not just muscles as we train, Yeah. But also muscles in our brain would need to be trained. Absolutely. And that's you know, the same in a fitness as well. Exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, uh, I have learned the hard way and I still see it in the gym. Uh, body obsession leads mm. to total chaos. And often with consequences, you cannot even yeah. Uh, yeah, prevent afterwards. Wow, can you believe it? Over two hours we talked. In fact, about this topic, I could talk with you so many more. Hours. Yes, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you so Just much. On a high level, actually. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for being you and thank you for allowing me to uh, spread the message. And um, I trust you in spreading it too. Yes. For me, it was really important today to to learn from you from a different angle. Um, obviously, you know, I'm adding the links also in the show notes regarding Inner Fitness, your book, mm. links to your website. But for me, it's very important to show who is that person actually behind the book? Who is the person? Um, and what were the setbacks? What were the life-changing moments sure. which made that person till today? And I think this is a very important message today when we talk about authenticity and we talk about being true to yourself yeah. um, and that's super important and I, I really loved the conversation with you and uh, yeah I mean you're, you're bring, chapters. you it. bring new meaning to uh, this uh, phenomenon of podcast uh, you dig deep within the person themselves and that is commendable thank you so much yes I mean often in a short yeah podcast is like 20 minutes 30 minutes but we not go in, in depth Exactly. Yeah. And I think we need to have time at least to have uh, covered that and then share that to so many other people. Yeah. So, it's, you know, uh, that it's called impactful. Thank you. Love that. So, what's your next step today? What's your plans for today? After so, that? I'm going to take my uh, little Frenchie, my little love, my dog out, King. I'm going to take him out. And then I have uh, uh, my days is meetings consultation and phone calls today sounds the first first step uh, bringing king out sounds very pleasant yes <laughs> Love it. absolutely all right thank you so much for your time thanks so much uh taking the time very early in the morning as well and yeah looking forward to share that 
thank uh, you, Daniel. As well. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Inspiring, isn't it? In times of struggle, we need to build self-worth, to build inner strengths by ourselves. Do check out his book, Inner Fitness. I added the links of his website and the book to the show notes. Get inspired and reflect what your current thoughts are about self-worth. Build on it. Adapt and change. That's all about it. If you can learn something from Nordin, then it's about building your self-worth. So see you next episode. Take care. Never forget. Never give up. Always look up.